All right, good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing today? Great, great. So, and what Pastor Tim said is exactly how it happened. <laughs> uh, no, I was playing basketball and uh, I was going to dunk on three guys. They got mad and no, I just, I actually, I was, I just started running. And then my Achilles tendon, that's the one that connects your heel to your calf. Um, it just snapped on me. So that right before Christmas. So that was my Christmas present this year. And uh, so we've had, we've had some fun with this. The blessing, I, was, I don't remember who I was telling before uh, Sunday school. The one blessing with it is my mother-in-law. So we're staying with my in-laws. That, they live in Burnaby. Um, I'm staying with my, my mother-in-law. And my mother-in-law likes to give us all a lot of chores while we're staying with her. And so right now I can't, I can't do all of the chores. So she's serving me. I'm like, Mom, can you please get me something? And uh, she's, she's loving it. I'm loving it. Um, so, but I would appreciate prayer. We are starting New Life Baptist Church in Houston, Texas on Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020. And we're very excited about what God is doing. Uh, my name is David Cripps. I'm here with my wife, Adriana, and then our two daughters, Julianne and Brooklyn. Julianne is three in Brooklyn. Be careful with that one. She's one years old. She was born after Hurricane Harvey. Have y'all heard anything about Hurricane Harvey? She was born a little bit after that, and she took on all of Harvey's characteristics. So Hurricane Harvey caused a lot of destruction. Brooklyn causes a lot of destruction, so we just call her Hurricane Brooklyn. Uh, so, But we're so honored to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be here. Well, can we go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 11? Mark chapter number 11. So God's leading us to start a church, and we're going to show our video in the, in the morning service. Um, but we're really excited about what God is doing. So we plan on starting in late 2020. We were praying that the Lord would speed up our time on deputation. And we thought we'd be starting the church in late 2020, and God has moved up our timetable. We actually moved there this past fall, and we started having Bible studies during the week. And uh, we've, we've got to see some people saved. Praise the Lord. Uh, there was two ladies that came to our Christmas service that we had in early December, and two ladies trusted Christ as their Savior. And we're really excited about what God is doing, and He's moved up our timetable. We're going to have a couple of services to kind of let people know what the church is going to be like leading up. So we have a couple of services in March, and then we start every Sunday on April the 12th. So we're really excited about what God's doing, and we're looking forward to sharing with you more about that in the, in the morning service. Mark chapter number 11, and we're going to go ahead and begin reading in verse number 1. It says, And when they come nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can we go ahead and pray together and we'll, we'll get into God's word this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact that you loved us so much that on this, in this passage, you're making your way to Jerusalem where you're going to suffer and 
you're going to be falsely tried and uh, you're going to be executed. You're going to die on the cross and be buried and then rise again to pay for our sins. Lord, we thank you for that gospel message. And Lord, I pray that you be with us now as we study your word. Father, I pray that you would uh, change our lives. I pray that you'd make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ because of what we learned from your word today. I ask that you fill me with your spirit as I, as I teach. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with every person who's here this morning. I pray that you'd fill them with your spirit as they listen. I pray that you'd help us to all get into your word this morning. And I pray that our lives will be changed because of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I love reading about the miracles in the Bible. How many of you, you have a favorite miracle or a couple of favorite miracles? Uh, this is Sunday school, so I'm going to ask for a little bit of feedback. Uh, does anybody have a favorite miracle in the Bible that they would like to share? I'll go ahead and start while you think, all right? In Mark chapter number 7, I was reading, I was reading about this, and in Mark chapter number 7, uh, I, whenever I read Scripture, I just kind of put myself into the passage, and I think on this particular day, Jesus just wanted to have a little more fun than normal. So in Mark chapter number 7, there's a deaf man that comes to Jesus and asks him for healing. So Jesus, what he does is he puts his fingers in the man's ears, and then he spits on his finger, and then he puts his finger on the man's tongue. So I think on this day, Jesus said, uh, today, I think I just want to give this guy a reverse wet willy. And he just put his fingers in his ears, and then he put it on the guy's tongue. I love that miracle, uh, just, just, just what Jesus did there. Uh, so, But I ha that's one of my favorites that I read about recently. Does anybody have a favorite miracle that they would like to share? Pastor Tim? He calmed the sea. Isn't that an amazing, isn't that an amazing thing that Jesus... Uh, led them into the storm. I was reading about that uh, just yesterday, that Jesus led them into the storm and then, and then he brought them out of the storm. Uh, so the story isn't about the storm, it's about, it's about Jesus and who he is and the power that he has. That's an amazing thing that Jesus did that whenever he calmed the storm, that even the winds and the sea uh, obey him. Does anybody else have a miracle that they would like to share? Yes, sir. Feeding of the 5,000. Uh, I love that one. That one's great. Whenever he fed uh, the 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves, five small loaves and two fish. And just the fact that he used a little boy's lunch and he was willing to offer it to Jesus. And you know, to me, it's, uh, it's, you know, we may not have very much to give, but when we give it to the Lord, he takes it and he breaks it and he uses it for his honor and glory when we give him what we have. That's a, that one's great. Does anybody else have another miracle that they would like to share? Yes, ma'am. When Jesus walked on the sea. That one is, that one, I love that one too. That one's great. And I love whenever Peter, uh, Peter wants to go walk out with Jesus. And as I've thought about that one, it's, uh, I don't know the spiritual significance uh, of Peter walking on the water, except that Peter wanted to do something great for the Lord. And Jesus said, hey, come on. And he let him. And that's, uh, I love that one. Does anybody else have a miracle that they would like to, a favorite miracle that they would like to share? Lazarus, raising Lazarus. Uh, from the dead. That one's, that one's, aren't you thankful that someday we will all uh, be changed as well? Thank you. That one's awesome. That one's a great miracle. Yes, sir. I'm sorry? Seeing the heavenly host. Elisha, seeing the heavenly host. Yeah, that one, that one is a great one. Whenever he saw it and had his, had his servant see all of them surrounding him, protecting him. That one's a great that one's great. I love those miracles. You know, there's lots of great miracles in Scripture. I think about whenever Moses, whenever God used Moses to part the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. 
Uh, I love that miracle whenever they went into the wilderness. Uh, I also love whenever God was working on our hearts to start a church in downtown Houston, uh, God also used, so whenever Moses, uh, when God used Moses to part the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground, and then if you remember when Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan River uh, and God stopped the river, in that instance, the priests, they had to step into the water while it was still rushing. And then God stopped the water. So sometimes God parts the waves and lets us cross. Sometimes we have to step out by faith, even whenever it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then God, then God does the miracles. I love that one. I love uh, Daniel and the lion's den. I think that one's a classic. Uh, Daniel and the lion's den, whenever he just stood for his faith, whenever he had courage to do what was right, then he was thrown into the lion's den and God closed the mouths of the lions. Uh, I, love the, I love the story of David and Goliath, primarily just because my name is David. Uh, so if, I think if we were going to go around the room, uh, I think all of us could share a, uh, a miracle from Scripture that we love that's in our, that is one of our favorites. But tonight, or this morning, we're going to look at Mark chapter number 11, and we're going to see a miracle that Jesus is going to perform. And to be honest, whenever we look at this miracle, first of all, you might not have even recognized it as a miracle that Jesus was performing. Second of all, I don't think it's ever going to make anyone's top five favorite miracles list. Uh, I don't, this miracle, to be honest, is not the most spectacular of miracles that we see in all of Scripture. But I do believe that this miracle that we see here in Mark 11 is one of the most reproducible miracles that we can see in the life of every believer. Mark chapter number 11, we see the miracle of what God does through obedience. It's the miracle of what God does through obedience. So if we could look together in Mark chapter number 11, and we're going to see Jesus perform a miracle. And first of all, I would like to notice together the orchestration of this miracle, the orchestration of the miracle. In verse number one, it says, And when they come nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. If any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. So here is the miracle that we see. Jesus calls some of his disciples, and he tells them to go to the next town, and they're going to go to a house. And whenever they go to this house, uh, they're going to find a colt. They're going to find uh, a donkey, if you will. And they're going to bring that colt, uh, an unbroken colt, an untrained colt to Jesus. And Jesus is going to ride this colt into Jerusalem. Now, here's some miraculous things that happen in this passage. First of all, Jesus fulfills prophecy that is hundreds of years old. In Zechariah chapter number 9, it was prophesied that the, that the Messiah uh, would ride into Jerusalem on a colt. And here Jesus is about to fulfill Scripture that was prophesied uh, hundreds of years before. Uh, but also, we see that Jesus is going to orchestrate some things miraculous here whenever He tells these disciples to go across into a town and take this colt. And first of all, I noticed that when Jesus orchestrates a miracle, He orchestrates the miracles through His people. He orchestrates this miracle through His people. In verse number 1, it says that Jesus calls two of His disciples. Now, something that's really interesting about this verse is it doesn't tell us who those disciples were. I, it may have been one of the most famous disciples. It could have been Peter or James or John. It might have been 
one of those disciples. It might have been uh, one of those 12 that we don't know as much as much about. It might have been uh, Thaddeus. It might have been uh, Thomas. It might have been one of those disciples. Or we also know that Jesus had more than just those 12 disciples. Jesus had many people that followed him. I think of Mary Magdalene who followed Jesus. There were, there were lots of people that followed Jesus and they could have been considered disciples. But the Bible doesn't tell us who these two disciples are that Jesus calls to do this miraculous thing that he's about to do. And here's the point. If the Bible doesn't tell us who those people were, then it doesn't really matter who those people were. Uh, It doesn't tell us what their names are because it doesn't really matter what their names were. And here's the beautiful part about that is that, uh, you know, sometimes we look at Scripture and we see these uh, great people of faith. We see these people in Scripture that uh, heroes like David. We see heroes like Daniel. We hear about heroes like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We think about the miraculous things that God did through the Apostle Paul. And sometimes we look at Scripture and we see that God does miraculous things and we think that it happens to a special class of people. Hey, we think sometimes, I'm guilty of thinking sometimes, hey, I'm just a nobody. Could God use me? Could God uh, allow me to do anything for His honor and for His glory? But what we see here is that God does miraculous things and He didn't use special people. We don't even know who these people are. And my friend, can I tell you this? That whenever I leave today, whenever I go back to Houston on January 7th, uh, and we get ready to do what God's called us to do. You, you may not remember uh, my name, or you might not remember this message, or uh, you may not remember any of those things. I may not be known by anybody. And you know what? I, uh, many of you, I won't know your names whenever I leave. But the fact is, is it doesn't matter if we're known by people. What matters is, are we being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus uses some people that their names are not mentioned. We don't know who they are, but here's the fact. God, know, God knew them, Jesus knows them, and, God, and Jesus used them for his honor and for his glory. And the fact is, is it doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for a long time or if you've been coming to church uh, for a short amount of time. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for a long time or if you just recently trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you're willing to obey him, Jesus can do amazing things in and through your life. So we see that when Jesus does this miracle, he orchestrates it through his people. I also notice that when Jesus orchestrates the miracle, he orchestrates this miracle through his omniscience through his omniscience. The word omniscient means all-knowing. Jesus knows all things. And we see in verse number two that Jesus tells these disciples to go to the next town, to go to this uh, seemingly random house and to take this colt, and he, ta- he gives them specific instructions. If you notice here, he even says how the owners of this colt are going to respond. He says, hey, whenever they ask you, what are you doing with the colt? Give them this answer and they'll let them go. Everything that Jesus said he knew exactly what was going to happen. Now, let me help us understand a little bit in, in, in 2019, almost 2020 vernacular. When people got around in Bible days, they got around uh, in one of two ways. They either got around uh, by foot, they walked around, or they got around on animals, often uh, a colt or, or a donkey. And they travel around. So here's what Jesus is telling them to go do. He's saying, hey, go to the next town and take somebody's ride. Take somebody's mode of transportation. Now, uh, this past summer, uh, my wife and I, God, God did something amazing for us. God gave us a car, a vehicle for deputation. Uh, it was an amazing thing. We got the car on Saturday and on Monday, somebody called me and said, hey, somebody wants to pay for your car. It was an amazing thing. I love that car. It's a 2016 Ford Explorer. Uh, it's nice. I love that thing. Uh, I think, I don't, I don't know if we've named it yet because we just want to find the perfect name for this, for this car. Uh, so 
It's, I, love the, I love that car. Now, imagine with me for a moment if we're walking out of church today and Pastor Tim, we walk out and there's my Ford Explorer out in the parking lot and Pastor Tim is sitting in the driver's seat of my car. There he is. He's, he's pushed the ignition. He's got, it, he's got it ready to go. I say, Pastor Tim, what are you doing? That is my car. And if Pastor Tim says, now, Brother David, Brother Cripps, God wants me to have your car. We're going to have a problem. <laughs> uh, those, those that, we're going to have an issue. I'm not going to be like, oh, please take my Ford Explorer. I want you to have it. That's not going to happen, right? Uh, so I, I shared this story in Texas. And, so, and this guy came up to me afterwards and goes, when people do stuff like that here in Texas, we shoot them. Those aren't fighting words. We shoot them. Uh, so I was like, I don't know if I'm called to go to Texas anymore. So, but it's, uh, uh, it, it, would, it would be a serious offense. And here Jesus says, go to the next town, go to this house down this street, take this person's ride. And when they say, what are you doing with the ride? What are you doing with my ride? What are you doing with my, my mode of transportation? Say, the Lord needs him. And then they'll say, oh, all right, take him. And you know, sometimes in, in your life, in my life, it seems like God wants us to do things that are just as crazy, right? Uh, sometimes, I know over the past six or eight months, God's worked in my heart to do things, or uh, to, 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 He's worked in my heart uh, about certain things, and I felt like, God, uh, I can't afford what you're telling me to do. Uh, God, I can't do what you're telling me to do. I don't have that ability. Uh, I, don't have, uh, I don't have that kind of money to give what you're telling me uh, to give. I don't have the money uh, I don't have the money to tithe. I don't have the money to, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. If God tells us to do something, oftentimes our flesh likes to fight that. And back in July, we, we hadn't even had our first meeting yet of deputation. And you'll see it in the video, but my family, we've lived, for the past five years, we lived in Baytown, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. Uh, it's about 45 minutes away from where my wife and I live right now, where we're starting the church right now. We've served there for the past five years. And, uh, and uh, so we felt like since God was leading us to start a church in downtown Houston, that we could, we could actually do something to start reaching people from where we were. Um, so we, for a long time, we thought we were going to start a church in California or someplace like that. Uh, but when God called us to start a church in Houston, we felt like we live 45 minutes away from our mission field. We can start trying to reach people in our mission field. So God led us to have, a, to have an evangelistic service back in July. And we were getting ready for it, and we rented a place where we could meet, and we started uh, getting ready to order flyers. And some people told me that I was crazy. We hadn't even had our first meeting yet. Why were we going to be having an evangelistic service? And the more things that we did, the more we realized that having an evangelistic service costs money. Uh, and I honestly, I was getting, I was getting scared my wife, she told me, if God wants us to do this, then he'll provide for us. We just need to make sure that this is what he's leading us to do. This is what he's calling us to do. So we took time to pray, and we knew for sure that God wanted us to have this evangelistic service, um, that, he wanted, that he wanted us to do this. And I was, started, I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, uh, Lord, would you please help us? And I, honestly, I was, I was just getting scared. So I remember praying in the auditorium of the church that we've served in, and I, I was there praying, and I said, Lord, I'm kind of nervous about this. It's getting expensive to have this service. And we're about to start traveling all over the country. So really, this is going to be a series of steps of faith. So God, would you please strengthen my faith because I'm scared. And would you please pay for this evangelistic service that we're going to have? Uh, it had 
enough to be a couple of thousand, a couple thousand dollars. And we went to our very first meeting uh, all day Sunday. We were with who's who's a friend of mine now, Pastor Will Cover. Um, I presented at his church, and then at the end of the day, he said, "Hey, uh, hey, brother David, we took an offering." Uh, our normal offering, and somebody gave an offering that was much larger than normal, and we wanted to be a blessing to you too. So he gave us a check, and uh, I looked at it, and it was exactly what we needed to have our service. So we had our service, and God gave us close to 20 people that showed up from the neighborhood where we're trying to start uh, back in July. And God was just saying right from the moment, hey, you didn't know uh, what I had in store for you. You didn't know what I was leading you to do, but there were people there that needed to be reached. There was uh, finances that I was going to give you. And even though you didn't know what, how I was going to provide, I knew how I was going to provide. And when Jesus is leading these people, he's leading them out of his omniscience. And my friend, can I just tell you today that going into 2020, I believe that God's got some things in store for you. God has things in store for this church. God wants to do things through this church, but it's going to happen if we're obedient to him. Uh, It's going to happen if we're willing to follow him. And sometimes we may say, God, you're leading us to take a step of faith that we don't understand what you're leading us to do, but God does know. God did know. Uh, Jesus did know where, what what was going on in this situation. I also noticed that Jesus orchestrated this miracle through his sovereignty. He orchestrated the miracle through his sovereignty. The Bible says in Proverbs, the Bible says, uh, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Uh, God works in the hearts of people. And whenever Jesus told uh, these disciples to go take this person's colt, here's what he was doing. He was working in the hearts of these disciples, but he was also working in the hearts of the owners who were going to give up their colt. Kind of going back to our example of Pastor Tim stealing my my car. Uh, I mean, taking my car for the Lord. Um, if, if he said, hey, the Lord wants me to have your car, and I said, okay, then there's one of two things. Either I, I'm on something or the Lord was working in my heart. Uh, so, But uh, here Jesus tells these disciples, go take this colt, and then he works in the hearts of the owners. You see, exactly like Jesus said, the owner said, what are you doing with the colt? And they said to him what Jesus said, and then they said, take him, take the colt. And my friend, for that to happen, you know, Jesus had to have been working in people's hearts. Uh, we're going to show our video in the morning service, our deputation video. And on, we filmed, one of my friends came out and he filmed our video for us. And on Thursday, we went downtown and we were filming pr- close to where we're going to be starting the church. And in the morning, we had finished, we had finished filming downtown. When we finished filming, we were walking back to where my wife and my daughters were and we were making our way back to them. And there's a lot of homeless people that live in downtown Houston. And as we were going by, there was a man that was up ahead of us that was dressed in a really nice suit. Uh, it was obvious to see he was a businessman. He had, he had some money. And as he was walking, it looked like he was going to step on uh, a homeless person that was sleeping on the sidewalk. So that was, it shocked us a little bit as he was going up to this guy. And we were, we were still kind of far away and we were getting closer. And all of a sudden, this businessman leans down and he starts talking to this guy and we catch up to him, and the man, I, all I hear the man say is, um, hey, I'm sorry to have interrupted your nap. You have a great day, okay? So we start walking together. So we walk together for a block, and then the guy that's filming with me, his name is Jason. He said, hey, man, that's a nice suit. Could we get you, could we get you in our video? And the man was like, no, uh, I'm not interested. I don't like being on camera. And that just got awkward. Uh, so we started walking together, and uh, it was just getting, we're awkward. And you know, whenever somebody turns you down like that, 
uh, and rejects you and you're walking together. If they go their separate ways, then it's okay. But we walk together for another three blocks. And we're just walking together and, and we're, we're quiet. And I'm like, all right, you go your separate way. We'll go our way. And then he just looks over and he says, so what are you guys filming for anyways? And I told him, I said, my name's David. I'm, I'm starting a church a few blocks away from here. And he just stopped in his tracks and he interrupted me. He goes, wait a minute. Uh, and he started asking me questions about the church plan. And then all of a sudden, what I found out was that he is, he's a lawyer that works downtown. He has his own practice downtown. And those homeless people live right around his office. So he goes out there and he checks on them every day as he goes to spend his lunch break in prayer. So he said, hey, I want to know more about your church plant. Uh, so we got together a couple of weeks later with him. And he, he told us after we had talked a while and we shared with him, what we believe God was leading us to do. He said, for the past two years, I've been teaching in my church. I've been teaching our adult, one of our adult Sunday school classes. And for the past two years, I've been teaching on the life of David. And as I've been teaching on the life of David, you know, most people, whenever they read about David, I know that I do. Um, we put ourselves in David's shoes, right? Whenever you read in, when you read about the life of David, you put yourself in David's shoes. And then he said, as I was teaching it, I felt like God was working in my heart. And he was saying to me, uh, Justin, I'm not calling you to be a da the David of the story. I'm calling you to be the Jonathan of the story. Now, if you remember, Jonathan was the king's son. He was uh, next in line for the throne, but he gave that up to help David be the king, to help David do what God had called him to do. So Jonathan laid aside his rights to help David be the person that God wanted him to be. And Justin said, I've been praying for the past two years, Lord, make me a Jonathan. Let me be a friend to somebody. Let me, let me be a help to them. Let me be a Jonathan to a David. And then he said, for the past six months, I've been listening to preaching on podcasts and I've been listening to all these messages and, and I don't know why, but for the past six months, I've been hearing all of these messages on church planting. So he says, for the past two years, I've been praying, Lord, make me a Jonathan. For the past six months, I've been praying, Lord, I've been praying for church planting. And then all of a sudden, I meet you randomly on a sidewalk in downtown Houston and you say, hi, my name is David. I'm a church planter. My friend, can I tell you something that when God was working on my heart uh, and he called me to start a church someday uh, 10 years ago, uh, he was also working in somebody else's heart. When God was working on my heart to, uh, to step out and, and to start a church in downtown Houston, God was also working in, in, Justin's, in Justin Hodge's heart uh, to help get a church started in Houston. And my friend, Justin has, since I met him that day, Justin has been our biggest encourager. He's been our biggest supporter. He's been one of our closest friends uh, to, getting, to getting this church started. And it's something that God just orchestrated. And when God tells us to do something, when God calls you to do something, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it may be. For some of you, it may be you have a hard-hearted coworker that you're working with and God's been working on your heart to try to be a witness to them. And you say, God, I can't witness to that person. I can't invite that person to church. I can't reach out to that person because that person is too cold. That person is too hard-hearted. That person is unreachable. But when God works in your heart, my friend, can I remind you that God works in the hearts of other people. Uh, so he, he works in our hearts, but he also works in other people's hearts. He worked in these disciples, but he was also working on the hearts of the owners. So we see the orchestration of the miracle. Then next, we see the action of the miracle. And we're going to move really quickly through this. We see that Jesus tells these disciples to go to the next town, to go take this colt. And I love here, it says, in verse number three, Jesus gives them the instruction. In verse number four, it says, and they went their way. That conjunction, and, it's, it's, hey, at the same time. And it, it doesn't say, Jesus told them, then later they went. It says, Jesus told them, and they went. 
Uh, it's like, all right, Jesus, we're going to go do what you've told us to do. They obey immediately, and then I notice that they obey exactly. Right now, we're trying to teach our daughters to obey. That's a, probably a good thing to teach, to teach them, hopefully. And we're trying to teach them to obey quickly, sweetly, and completely. And here in this passage, we see these disciples, they obey immediately, they obey quickly, and we see that they obey completely. Now, I love this here whenever the, the, the owners, they ask Jesus, or they ask these disciples, they say, hey, what are you doing with the colt? Just like Jesus said. It says in verse number six, it says, and they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. My friend, let me challenge you. Don't fight with God. Don't fight with what God has told you to do. Don't, don't offer him partial obedience. Let's offer him complete obedience. Let's, let's offer to him full obedience. Let's be obedient to the Lord. They obeyed quickly. They obeyed completely. And then finally, as we, as we start to close, I notice the beauty of the miracle. Here's what makes this, this miracle so amazing. Here's what makes this miracle so beautiful. All right, and we see in verse number seven, it says, they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garment on him and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches off the trees and straw them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The disciples, they bring the colt to Jesus. And Jesus rides this colt. He fulfills scripture that is hundreds of years old. And here's some things that I notice about this miracle. Through this miracle, God gets glory. God gets glory through this miracle. Jesus rides into town on a colt. And we know that in just a few days, Jesus is going to die on the cross to pay for our sins. This is his, this is his method of transportation to ride into Jerusalem to pay for the sins of all mankind. Jesus rides into Jerusalem and people are, are shouting, Hail, King. Uh, they're saying, Blessed is the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and people are offering to Him praise. They're, they're giving Him glory. And I understand that in just a few days, many of these same people are going to be shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. But did you also know that just a month and a half later at Pentecost, Peter's going to preach to these people and he said, hey, you crucified Him. You shouted, crucify Him. And, uh, but you need to repent and these people are going to turn back to the Lord. So here in this moment, Jesus is coming as king. And we know that someday he's going to ride through the gate uh, again, come through the eastern sky, and he's going to sit on the throne of David. And we know that he's coming again someday. And here in this moment, Jesus is, Jesus, a little taste of that is happening. People are shouting, Hosanna. They're shouting, praise the Lord. God is getting glory through this miracle. But here's probably my favorite part of this miracle. My favorite part of this is that the disciples got to play a part. Here are these unknown, unnamed disciples. And could you just imagine with me being one of them uh, here? Could you just imagine with me? Uh, I know if it, if it was me, if I would say, Jesus, you said, go take this random colt. And uh, they run off to go do it. But if, if it was me, whenever I got there, I'd be saying, man, we're taking this person's, we're taking this person's colt. Uh, what, are, are, what are they going to say? Are they going to say exactly what Jesus said? Uh, and and I, I would be starting to get nervous. Uh, what's going to happen? What if they call the cops on us? What if they call the police on us? 
And they go and uh, they take that colt and they bring it to Jesus. And I just imagine those disciples saying, Jesus, uh, I cannot believe it. Exactly what you said happened. The exact words that you said, that's exactly what they said. And then, they, and then we just said, hey, the Lord needs this colt. And they said, please take him. And, and here it is. I can't even believe it. Here's this unbroken colt. Here you are. And Jesus, you're about to ride into Jerusalem as the king. You're about to ride into Jerusalem as the Messiah. We want you to have, uh, we want you to have a comfortable ride. So here, take our garment. Take our coat so you have a more comfortable ride. And then they began to cut down, uh, they began to cut down limbs from trees and put it in the way. So Jesus, you can have uh, a more comfortable ride into Jerusalem. And on that day, you cannot tell me that those disciples, they were just amazed that they got to pave the way for the king of, of all time, the king of kings and the Lord of lords to ride into Jerusalem. And they got to be a part of that. Someday I could, I could just imagine them telling their grandkids, hey, there was this time when Jesus told us to go take this person's colt. And uh, we went and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we just did what Jesus told us to do. And Jesus did a miracle. And someday telling their grandkids about the miracles that Jesus did. They got to be a part of that. I am a, I'm a really big sports fan. I love, I love basketball. And honestly, that's, that's how I ended up tearing my Achilles was because of basketball. Uh, so, but I, I love basketball and uh, something that I know about all sports that I, that I enjoy is that if I cheer for a team, if I have a favorite team, my team will lose. Uh, that just goes without question, goes without saying, if I cheer for a team, my team will lose. So uh, in my life, there's been two times where there has been an exception to that rule. Uh, one time was in 2011, whenever my favorite basketball team, my favorite NBA team, the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat. And what was even better about that is that my brother's favorite team is the Miami Heat. So my favorite team beat my brother's favorite team in the championship. And it was a beautiful day. I remember uh, sitting on the couch and I was cheering. I was rubbing into my brother's face. He ran off to the room. And there I was. I was watching as my favorite team and my favorite players held the trophy up. And I don't know how much that trophy cost, but there they are. They're holding up that big, expensive, amazing trophy. And they're holding it up. And that was exciting. The other time that my team won was in 2010 when the Maranatha Baptist Academy Patriots of Pine Bluff, Arkansas won the Arkansas Christian School Association basketball tournament. That was my team that I played for. My senior year, my Christian school basketball team won our Christian school basketball league. And I remember we cheered, we were excited, and they brought out that trophy. Now that trophy, I'm pretty sure it cost about $10. Uh, the, 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 the plastic was chipping off. The yellow was chipping off. Uh, I'm pretty sure the 2010 was bent. Uh, they handed it to us. And we just, we loved it. We held it. We kissed that trophy. And we were excited as we cheered because we got that $10 trophy. You know, in my life, those are, those are the two trophies that my teams have won. Now, we're going to go around the room and uh, we're going to say, all right, everybody, you have a choice. You can pick Either the Dallas Mavericks, let's just say it's a 100, let's say it's a million dollar trophy. You can either pick the Dallas Mavericks million dollar trophy, or you can have David Cripps Jr.'s state championship basketball trophy. And we went around the room and everybody, of course, you'd say the, the NBA championship trophy, right? Some of you would say, uh, yeah, I would take that and I'd sell it on, I'd sell it and uh, get that money. That'd be awesome. Or some of you might say, hey, I'm going to put that up on my mantle, and I'm going to make up a story about how I won that thing. Uh, some of you might say, hey, you know what? I, I'm just going to store it away, and someday it'll be worth even more, whatever it may be. And we all go around the room, and all of you would say, hey, I'd take the NBA championship trophy. I'd take the NBA trophy. I'd take the NBA trophy. We go all around the room 
But you know, if it were going to come around to me and I had to pick between the experiences, if I had to pick between uh, the Dallas Mavericks championship or if I had to pick between mine, you know which one I think I would pick? I honestly think that I would pick this. I think I would pick my trophy. I think I would pick mine. And here's the reason why. Because for one trophy, I sat on a couch and ate popcorn. For the other trophy, I ran lines. For one trophy, I argued with my brother about who was going to win. For one trophy, there was blood, sweat, and tears. Hey, for one trophy, I was a spectator. For the other trophy, I was a participant. And my friend, can I tell you something? That there are a lot of spectacular miracles in Scripture. I'm, I'm excited. I love to read them. I love reading uh, about whenever Jesus fed the 5,000. I love reading about when the children of Israel crossed across, went across the Red Sea. I love reading about when Jesus uh, healed the blind and Jesus healed the deaf. But you know what my favorite miracle of all time is? My favorite miracle of all time would happen on September 23rd, 2001. Whenever I, as a sinner, bowed on my knees in my living room at our ugly green couch, and I, I prayed and I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and to be my Savior, and on that day, uh, Jesus Christ became my Savior. That's my favorite miracle. Some of my favorite miracles are the times where I've got to sit across from a table where, we've got, where I've got to open up Scripture and see people saved. My favorite miracles are the ones that I shared with you whenever I didn't know where the money was coming for a Bible study and then God provided that money. My favorite miracle is going to be answered, Lord willing, this week when God gives New Life Baptist Church a building for a dollar a year. Uh, those are my favorite miracles that, we're, that we have seen happen and that we're asking God to do. And those miracles, hey, they may not make somebody's history books. They may not make somebody's list of top 10 miracles ever. But to me, those miracles are the greatest of all. And my friend, can I tell you something that in your life, the greatest miracles, the most special miracles that, that in your life will be the ones where you decided to step out by faith where you decide to obey God and you see God work on your behalf, whenever God works on behalf of Grace Baptist Church and does amazing things here in Surrey, B.C., and God does amazing things in your life, and you say, hey, I didn't know how God was going to do the miracle. I didn't know how God was going to intervene on our behalf, but we just obeyed Him, and then He did the miraculous. My friend, those are the most special miracles of all. But we have to decide, are we just going to be spectators of what God is going to do? Are we going to be obedient to Him? Are we going to be participants? And if we'll obey Him, God will do the miraculous. Can, uh, Pastor Tim.